0: Running from God, God is generous in his grace. He's a God of second chances, amen? But he's thorough in his discipline. You know why he's thorough in his discipline? Because we're his children. God had his attention. He was being afflicted. He was in the belly of this fish three days and three nights. And he cried, he finally decides, I better start praying again. And he cries out for God's help in affliction. 2,500 years ago, a man named Jonah prayed like a lot of us. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. God is not trying to pay us back when he disciplines us. He is trying to win us back. You know, when we think about the story of of Jonah we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, we tend to think this. Now, help me out, because this is what a lot of us learned growing up in church. Jonah and the... The whale, and which as we were learning in our study, we don't even know if it was a whale. It was a fish prepared by God. But we think about Jonah and the whale, Jonah and the fish. But as we're going to see today and next week, this is really not a story about Jonah and the whale. It's about something different, something else that God had in mind. As we go into chapter 3 and 4, this is really the heart of the book of Jonah that we're going to see today, and I'm so excited for you to look at this. So if you haven't already... Um, turning your Bibles to the book of Jonah. It's on page 376 if you're using one of the Bibles you picked up at the door. Today, our message is go. Simply go. Everybody say go. Yeah. Go. And so, we're going to talk about the real message behind the book of Jonah that God told Jonah to, to go. And as you're finding your way to to the book of Jonah. Let me just say this. Last week um, was a very special service here at Orchard Church. It was probably one of the most amazing services uh, that we've been a part of, not because it was an amazing message or amazing messenger, not because of that. My wife may have thought so, but that may have been about as far as that goes. But it was amazing. How many you guys were here last week? Okay. And I'm not trying to embarrass anybody that wasn't, but it was amazing what God did in our midst, wasn't it? As we close the service, and I did something I've never done before, I asked you guys to stand as a suri- sign of surrender to God, because when we left Jonah last week, he was really fully ready to surrender to God, and, and I gave you the choice to stand, and I, I was kind of taking a risk, and I've never asked you to do that before. I mean, I grew up in a church, you know, where there was an altar, and every Sunday they'd do an altar call. Y'all remember that? And he'd come forward, and I'm like, well, we don't have an altar. we got a pit you guys could, like, come down in. But So I was like, well, I'm going to ask him to stand. And I thought maybe we'd have a, a handful. And honestly, in all of our services last week, we probably had 70 80% of the people stand in every service and surrender to God. And, and I, I praise God for that. Amen. Can we celebrate that? We don't. We don't take that for, for granted, what God did last week. And, and what's even more amazing, not only do we have believers surrendering something to God that he was speaking to them about, but we had over 15 people put their faith and trust in Christ in three services last week alone and surrender in that way. And that's what it's all about. So today, as we continue our story and we see what this story is really all about, and it's not about Jonah and this fish or this whale or whatever it is, it's about the fact that, that Jonah was told to Go. God told him to go to Nineveh, and Jonah said no. Jonah should have hopped on a camel to Nineveh. Instead, he hopped on a boat, and he sailed 2,500 miles in the opposite direction, and he ran from God. And and we've said this throughout this study. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. Have you ever learned that in your life? Amen? You can run from God, but you can't outrun God because he's going to pursue you. He loves you too much to let you keep running. He's going to do everything to win you back. And when we left Jonah last week, Jonah had been uh, surrendered to God. He was thrown up on the beach after being three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. And now Jonah is fully ready to surrender. He's ready to obey. He's ready to go. Go where? Go to Nineveh, the city that God had called him to, to to bring this incredible message. And this is what the story is all about as we get into chapter 3. And I want to remind you, why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh in the first place? Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. The Syrian people uh, were hated people by most of the countries of the world. Israel hated them. They were Israel's biggest enemy at this time. And Jonah was an Israelite. Uh, They were barbaric people. They tortured people. They were wicked. They were evil. They raped women. They tortured. They skinned men alive. They had conquered a part of Israel several times. And God's like, Yeah, that's the people Jonah, I want you to go to and tell them to straighten up. And Jonah's like, uh, I don't think so. And that's the people that he was running from, from running from going and, and talking to these people. But here's where the real story of Jonah takes place as we get into chapter three today. It was about Jonah going to Nineveh because Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, had people in it, a lot of people. And here's what this story is really all about. It's about one of the most famous verses in the Bible that you know and you can help me with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. Does that include Ninevites? Evil, wicked people far from God? Absolutely it does. That's the theme and the message of the Bible, that God loves everyone and he wants to reach everyone. And that's what this story is really all about. A God of grace and mercy and love who looked at a group of people that he wanted to reach and he wanted to send Jonah to go and bring a message. And today as we go into chapter three, we're gonna see one of the most beautiful pictures of God's grace, love, Mercy forgiveness and compassion in all of the bible and god calls jonah to be the messenger and I got to tell you guys uh, I'm always excited to come and talk to you guys and bring a message every week Uh, My wife was you know kind of laughing at me last night. She posted on facebook I love how excited my husband gets about his messages and she said when he stops getting excited He should stop doing it and she's right and i'm always excited, but sometimes i'm really really excited this is one of those days that I can't wait for you to see the heart of this story and what God does in the life of Jonah and the Ninevites and in our church today because it's a very practical message for all of us, and I can't wait for you to see it. This is one of those nights that on Saturday night, I can't sleep. I was up most of the night. I just kept tossing, turning, thinking about this message, and so are you guys excited? Are you ready? Two simple things this morning on your notes that we're going to see. Two simple things, but profound truth. First of all, we see Jonah goes to Nineveh. He finally goes to the place that God had called him to go to. Jonah goes to Nineveh. It says in verse 1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Everybody say second time. Now, how many of you guys like to do, like, Hebrew and Greek word studies in the Bible? Because that's what the language is originally written in. And you can really get, you know, when you look at the original word, there's really beautiful pictures. You guys like that? If you like that, you're going to love today because we're going to look at some pretty cool words. And, and the Hebrew word for second time is the word shenay. Everybody say shenay, N- Not shenaya like Twain, okay? shenay. It's a Hebrew word. It means second chance. God came to Jonah a second time. He gave him a second chance. And he's going to give the Ninevites a second chance. Are you thankful, church, we have a God of second chances? Boy, I am. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for a God of second chances. I shared my story a couple of weeks ago. You know, a lot of times people in our lives today around us, you cross people one time, you mess up one time, and man, they write you off. Thankfully, God's not that way. We have a God of grace and mercy and compassion. He gives us a second chance, a shanae, a second chance. I believe some of you. In this study of Jonah, God's been giving you a second chance. Some of you stood last week and surrendered because God's giving you a second chance. Some of you today, God is going to give you a second chance. And when I think of God giving us a second chance, I think of the Etch-A-Sketch. Y'all remember the Etch-A-Sketch? I know I'm dating myself. Do they still have those Etch-A-Sketches today? That was one of the best toys ever. You know, you draw this little picture on there, and, and then if you didn't like it, you shake it up, and you got a second chance. You got a do-over. That's what God does for us when we humbly submit to him and we repent. He he, he forgives us our sins. He gives us a second chance. And so we see as Jonah goes to Nineveh, he goes because God gives him a shanae, a second chance. He comes to him the second time. And it says in verse 2, arise. And what's the next word, church? Okay, thank you. About 10 of you got that. All right. Arise. Go. This is the message. This is what he told him in chapter 1. He wouldn't do it. Now he's going to do it in chapter 3. He says, arise, Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I'm going to tell you. This word, These two words, arise and go, come from the Hebrew kum yalach. I'm not going to have you say that because you'll spit on the people around you. Okay? That Hebrew, when you speak in Hebrew, it's like you're, you're hacking up a loogie all the time. You know, yalach. Kumulak. And it means this. It doesn't just mean go. It means go now. Go immediately. Go urgently. Go suddenly. Don't pass go. Go and don't collect $200. Just go to Nineveh. I've got a message for these people. And when God gives you a second chance a Shanae and he tells you to obey, we need to go and go immediately. Kumulak obey and go and notice this just kind of blows me away but it says arise and go to Nineveh that what kind of city Does your bible say great my bible says great great city I could think of a lot of other words to describe the city of Nineveh knowing their history and how barbaric and torturous people they were to to call them great I mean I would understand if God would say go to this evil city this wicked city why does God call it a great city I've got some pictures on here. This is an artist's rendition of possibly what the capital would have looked like in Nineveh that day based upon ruins they have found. It was a magnificent city. Today it would be found in northwestern Iraq where they've uncovered the ruins of Nineveh. Why did God call it a great city? Here's one reason I believe God called it a great city because it was great in the population and number of people that were in that city. Some 600,000 people they believe lived in Nineveh. That's like the size of Colorado Springs, 600,000 people that were pagan people, heathens, separated from the God of this universe that he wanted to reach. They were great in power. They were great in influence. They were a cultural epicenter at that time that influenced most of the world. Um, Archaeologists tell us there was about a seven and a half mile wall in front of the gates of the city. It it was 60 miles circumference around the city. And God says, "Uh, that's the city I want you to go to, this great city with all of these people. And so Jonah arose, verse 3, and he went. You could just write above that word, oh, he obeyed. He finally obeys. Jonah arises and he he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord, what God told him to do. Now, Nineveh was exceedingly great city. There it is again, a three-day journey in extent. It would take three days to walk through the city because of the size of the city. And notice that it says, When he began, verse 4, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Now, it was going to take him three days to walk through the city and proclaim this message of repentance. God's trying to get your attention. God's telling you guys, you know, you need to quit being evil and wicked. You need to straighten up or something bad's going to happen, as we're going to see in a moment. And Jonah says, it began to enter the city. These words that in the Hebrew, it's two words that, that we get the words began to enter. It's from the Hebrew words halalbo. And it means this, and it's a beautiful word picture. It means to untie or loosen. As Jonah began to enter the city, he began to untie or loosen. What did he begin to untie from? What did he begin to loose himself from? Chapter 1 and chapter 2, he untied himself from his will and his plan to do what God is asking him to do. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You got to let go, Jonah, of what you want to do to do what God wants you to do. You have to let go as you enter the sin. You've got to loosen to go and do what God asks. And in order to obey God, sometimes we have to halalbo. We have to halalbo. We have to untie. We have to loosen. We have to let go of our will so we can go the way God wants us to go and do what God wants us to do or stop what God wants us to stop. We might have to let some of you today, in order to do what God wants you to do, you might have to let go of your self-will to do God's will. You may have to let go of your reputation and what people think to do what God is asking you to do. You might have to let go of your pride, your financial security, your insecurities in order to serve God the way he's asking you to serve, in order to go. And I think a question we need to ask ourselves today is, what is God asking me to halalbo today? What is God asking me to let go of? What am I holding on to that I have to let go of so I can go? And I can do what God has called me to do. And I do it now. I do it kumulak. Do it suddenly, urgently. I'm going to obey because it's important. God has a plan and God has a purpose, as you're going to see in just a moment. Now, he had to go there and he didn't, it, he didn't just get to go there. He had to go there as a prophet of God to send a message from God. And it was not an easy message that Jonah had to deliver to the wicked, barbaric, torturing, evil Ninevites. Verse 4, it says, he began to enter the city, began to walk, he began to share the message. And then he cried out and said, now, it's, if you like short messages, it's a short message. I figured I'd get an amen from some of you guys. <laughs> but it packed a punch. Here was the short message, simply this. He cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be what? Overthrown. 40 days, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Now you can imagine as Jonah's got to go to Nineveh with this message of repentance to these wicked people, how difficult this was. And Jonah was, and this is probably why he ran in the first place. He's like, they're going to kill me. They're going to skin me alive. They're going to chop my head off. I can just see, Jonah, like a lot of pastors, you know, God, I got some other really good messages in my repertoire. I got this really good message on, you know, how, how to be happy, three steps to a happy life. Can I share that message, God? I think that would go over really well. You know, it's three poems in the story. You know, point one, uh, how to ha- three steps to a happy life. You know, can I give this point one? Stop being mean. Ninevites, you guys are mean. Point number two, step to a happy life, think happy thoughts. Nineveh, you don't think happy thoughts. Point number three to a happy life, don't worry. Be happy. He's like, that would be a great message. I think they would respond well to that. But God's like, nope, that's not the message. That's not the message. The message is repent, turn, submit, humble yourselves. Turn from your evil and wicked ways, or you're going to be overthrown. Now, this word overthrown is a key word, and it has a double meaning. It's the word hafa in Hebrew, and it has a double meaning, kind of like some of our English words. Like if you have the word bar, it has double meaning. I mean, it could be a bar of soap, could be a bar of gold, could be a bar you go drink at, it could be a crowbar. You can use that word interchangeably. Same with this word overthrown. In the Hebrew, it's the the word hafah, and it can mean to be destroyed. I think most of the time we read this, we think, God says, if you don't straighten up in 40 days, I'm going to destroy you. And that's part of the way this word can be mean, but it can also mean this, changed. See, one of two things was going to happen in the next 40 days in Nineveh, and and how they responded to God's message through Jonah. You're either going to be overthrown and be destroyed if you don't repent and turn to God. Or you're going to be overthrown and you're going to, your heart's going to be overthrown. You're going to be changed. You're going to be different. The choice was theirs. That's the same choice we all have when it comes to God, isn't it? And notice it had, there was a, it was a limited time offer. How many days? 40 days, a significant number in the Bible where God's going to do something in 40 days. It says within 40 days. See, God's grace and mercy is a limited time offer. You say, well, I thought we had a God of grace and mercy that anytime time we respond to him. If you, God forbid, leave here today and you draw your last breath and your heart stops beating and you've said no to Jesus, your limited time offer of his grace and mercy is over. That's what the Bible says. That's why we're passionate about telling people about God's grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and compassion so they can make a faith decision before it's too late. We believe Jesus is coming back soon. I do. I don't know when, but I believe it soon. And there's gonna be millions of believers that are gonna be raptured off the face of this earth. And then people are gonna be left behind that said no to Jesus. And that limited time offer is gonna be closed for most of them. There'll be a few saved during the tribulation, but not very many, not very many. God's grace and mercy is a limited time offer. And I would just say to you today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, take God up on his limited time offer today. Amen, church? We've seen many people, saw 15 people take God up on his offer. And it's an offer you will never take back. You'll never regret. So first we simply see that Jonah goes to Nineveh. But now the question is, okay, what are they going to do to Jonah? Are they going to skin him alive? Are they going to kill him? Are they gonna, what are they going to do? How are they going to respond? And the most incredible thing happens. This is the pinnacle of the story of Jonah and what it's really all about in verse 5. Because not only does Jonah go to Nineveh, but Nineveh goes to God. Watch this. Verse 5. They hear the message, they have a choice to make. And so the people of Nineveh, help me out, church, believed God. I don't want you to miss that. They heard the message, they had a decision to make, and they believed God. That's salvation. Last time I checked in my Bible, they put their faith. They'd been a heathen people, Gentiles, separated from Jehovah God, and they turned to the true God. They turned from their idols, and they turned to the true God, and they put their faith in him. They believed God. And, and, and then you see actions, works, that show that it was real. Works don't save us, but works show that we are saved. I like the way MacArthur, John MacArthur says it. Faith works. And they believe God, and then they proclaim a fast. And they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Everybody does this. It's, uh, sackcloth and fasting was a sign of repentance and humility. They're saying, God, you have our attention. We're turning to you. We're calling on you. We're looking to you. And they go to God. That's the pinnacle of this story. That's what God had in mind. That's why he sent Jonah in the first place. Now, as I was reading this, and I've heard this story over and over, but I always thought Jonah and the whale, Jonah and the whale, you know, as a kid growing up. And I got to verse 5. And you know what I said when I read verse 5? And it says, so the people of Nineveh believe God. I said this. I don't know if it's very spiritual, but this is what I said. No stinking way. you got to be kidding me. No way when you know these people and what they had done. I mean, and there's no, there's no arguing. There's no discussing. There's no debating. It just says they believe God. This would be kind of like if I came to you guys today and I said, hey, did y'all hear the news? Howard Stern just became a believer and he's going to now do a radio talk show on sexual purity. (laughs) And you would say, no stinking way. You could say stinking, that's a good Christian word (laughs) for other words. If I were to come to you this morning and say, did you guys hear Miley Cyrus is now a believer and she's doing gospel music on K-Love. And you would say, no sneaking way. Now, could that happen? Yes. But that's how we'd respond. If I said, the leader of the Taliban just became a believer, this is what we're talking about here, you guys. Now, here's the question. Why? How did this happen? And and, and as, as I was studying this out, History tells us, some, some, some other books, because God just says they believe. There's some extra biblical material, which is basically books that were written about the same time as the Bible, about the history. They're not Bible and they're not scripture, but they tell us about the culture and the history. And some of these books tell us that God had sent some plagues on Nineveh before Jonah got there to get their attention. Nothing like some health problems to God get your attention. Not only that, but he said, if you don't turn to God in 40 days, you're going to be overthrown, which means they're going to be destroyed. And, and history tells us that three countries had come together and made an alliance, and they were going to finally try to attack Assyria. And they were right out the, outside the walls. So they maybe were like, maybe this is what, God talk, this is what God's talking about. The, the, also, history tells us and astronomers tell us there was an eclipse of the sun leading up to this time when Jonah went to Nineveh. And and people in pagan cultures believed that an eclipse of the sun was the gods, the pagan gods trying to get their attention. But the true God was using it. It was all these things working together. But if that wasn't enough, let me remind you, when Jonah showed up with this message, where Jonah had just been, in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, when Jonah walked into Nineveh, he was a freak. He smelled bad, he looked bad. Most Bible scholars believe that he probably was completely whitewashed, his hair, his face from the acid from the stomach of the fish. And when he was preaching this message, people were like, we're gonna listen to that guy. I don't know what happened to him and he's probably telling the story. And God had the Ninevites full attention. And here's the lesson that Jonah learned and we learn. God had prepared their hearts. He'd been working behind the scenes. Do you believe God can still do that today? That God can prepare people's hearts and he can do, bring things into people's lives that we don't even know about, preparing them for somebody to share Jesus and they're ready, maybe more than we realize. He allows something to happen their marriage, their family, their health, their finances, their house, their job. And just as God was working behind the scenes, To prepare the hearts of the Ninevites, God is working behind the scenes in people's lives all around us. And you never know. You never know. Keep that thought. Verse 6 says, Then the you know, you think, well, was it just the people? I mean, obviously, if this is an evil, wicked country that conquers everybody else, who's the most evil and wicked of the bunch? The king, the leader. What about him? Well, let's see how he responds. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and he laid aside his robe, which was unheard of for kings to do because this was a complete sign of humility and submission. And he exchanged his kingly robe, covering himself with sackcloth and ashes. Again, Old Testament sign of humility and repentance. God had his attention as well. And the king caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. He proclaims a fast on everybody and even the livestock. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And watch this. And cry mightily to who, church? To God. Don't just pass over that. They cried Mightily to God, the true God, the Jehovah God, for his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. They felt conviction about everything they had done. And then the king says this, who can tell? Who knows if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Who knows? You, you know what verse came to mind as I was reading that? Romans 10:13, "For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." You know what the word everyone means in Greek? Y'all been here a while. That included the Ninevites. That includes everyone. You can't get much more sinful, wicked, and evil than the Ninevites, but they called on God. And they said, maybe God would relent. This word relent comes from the Hebrew word naham, and it means this, to have compassion. Maybe God will have compassion on us. Maybe God will have mercy. I believe that's the whole reason that God sent Jonah in the first place, because he had compassion on the people of Nineveh. And the Ninevites and the kings, like, who knows if God might have compassion on us and give us a shanae, a second chance, a second opportunity. Maybe we can experience his grace and mercy. We've heard about it in Israel. Maybe we could experience this. Well, let's see how does God respond. What does God do? Verse 10, then God saw their works, which was evidence of their true faith, that they turned from their evil way, and God did what? He relented. He relented. He relented. He had compassion. From the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Naham. He had compassion. He had mercy. He, he had grace. People who were far from God turned to God. They believed. They repented. They were saved. And can you imagine the revival that broke out in over half a million people? When they experience God's grace and mercy and love and compassion. And there's an incredible lesson that I do not want us to miss. And you have it in your notes. The people who seem the farthest from God might actually be the closest. Because God has been preparing their heart. And God's just waiting for Jonah to go. To go. To talk to them. To share with them. And some of y'all are looking at the clock going, oh, we're getting out early today. Nope. Actually, we might even get out a little bit late. Thank you. One person said that's all right. How does God want us to apply this to our church? Collectively and individually. Because God wants us to go. Here's the deal, church. And I believe we're at a, a pivotal time in the life of this church, this baby church that's only eight years old, We're at a crossroads. This is what God's been putting on my heart. Here's the deal, church. We live in Nineveh. There are Ninevites all around us. People who are far from God, but maybe closer than we realize. You work with Ninevites. You go to school with Ninevites. You have Ninevites in your neighborhood. Some of you have Ninevites in your family. People without Jesus Some of them you may not think deserve God. You may even consider them your enemy, but God loves them. God has compassion on them. God wants them to experience his grace and love just like you have. And you don't know and I don't know how God may be working in their life, and he's just waiting for one of us to go. And I want to remind you, church, that I didn't make this up. Our commission is the same. Our instructions are the same as Jonah's. Jesus, at the end of his ministry, to his followers, let me ask you, church, how many of you would consider yourself followers of Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay, then this is for you. Jesus said to his followers in Matthew 28, 19, help me out, church. There you go. Go. You followers of Jesus that know Jesus, have experienced his grace and mercy and love, you go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's the mission of this church. It begins by bringing someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus and then coming alongside of them and building them up in the Word of God and helping them to walk with Jesus till they grow to maturity so they can do that for somebody else, and we reproduce reproducers. Go, believers, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And just in case we missed it, Jesus says it again. in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Even the Ninevites? Yes. Even my enemies? Yes. Even my mother-in-law? Okay, never mind. Yes. Go into all the world and preach. Now, some of y'all just checked out on me. Oh, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. You know what the word preach means? It just means proclaim, tell people. Tell people about Jesus that you know and you follow. People say, well, I don't know the right verses and I don't know what to say. Listen, nobody, if you know Jesus and you gave your life to him, nobody can share your story better than you can share your story. Just tell them what Jesus has done in your life. Tell them how he's forgiven you and he's loved you and what he's done. Just tell them and tell them how they can have their sins forgiven. It's not hard and we all need to go into all the world and our world for us starts right here in our Nineveh. This is is what I couldn't sleep about last night. This is what God called us here for eight years ago. We were living in the Midwest in Indiana. I grew up in Oklahoma, then I was in Missouri, then I was in in the Midwest. I lived in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. I was used to churches being on every corner, they're like 7 Elevens. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And and, and Shelly and I had taken a couple of vacations to Colorado, and we'd drive around and we'd be like, Where are the churches? Where are the churches? And when we had a decision, where are we going to go plant Orchard Church? We wanted to go to Nineveh. We wanted to go to a place that needed Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches. And what our studies, what we found out, some of you know this, some of you don't, that Denver, the metropolitan Denver area is the fourth most unchurched metro city in the country. We live in Nineveh. 90% of Coloradans claim no church affiliation which means most of them don't know Jesus. There are, it's Nineveh. It's our Ninevites. Now let's, let's, let's laser in the circle, the target even closer. Let me talk about our area. Right here at Prairie View High School where we have Orchard Church where we meet, within about a 15-mile radius, there's over 100,000 people in the Brighton, Henderson, Commerce City, um, Thornton, East Thornton side. 100,000 people. 90,000 of them claim no church affiliation Many of them do not know Jesus. The Denver Regional Council of Governments just recently said that our area of Denver is the fourth fastest growing city in Colorado. We are the growth capital of Colorado. When we moved here into Prairie View High School, within about a five mile radius of Prairie View High School, there were two to three hundred families a month moving into our area. Now, we all know what happened with the economy and things went down and they stopped building houses and it slowed down. We continued to grow. Our church has grown at a pace of about 25 to 35% every year. Now, have you guys looked around? Houses are going up everywhere. For sale signs go in the yard and they're sold in two days or a day. People are coming. Ninevites are coming again to our area. This is our Nineveh. And God tells us to go. And I want you guys to understand my heart because I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, aren't we big enough? Three services? The last two Sundays was the first Sunday and the second Sunday of spring break. And we thought, you know, we'll be doing good, you know, to have 900. We had almost 1,100 in three services the last two Sundays. Now, that's encouraging to me that you're clapping because not everybody is. And we'll talk about that next week. But I want you to understand my heart People say, was well, it just about numbers? You know, we're just trying to get as many people as we, as we can. And listen, we're not going to apologize and feel bad for fulfilling the great commission to reach people for Jesus. I'm not going to apologize for that. And you don't need to feel bad about that. There, I can't think of the last Sunday that went by that we didn't have somebody put their faith and trust in Christ in every one of our services. People say, well, you're a church that's just all about numbers. You know, as you get, get some numbers, you get over a 1,000 people say, oh, it's all about numbers. You know what? Here's how I look at it. Numbers represent names, names represent lives, and lives represent souls. Yeah. People that need Jesus. And that keeps me up at night. And when it stops keeping me up at night, I need to find a different career. And, 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 and I need, we need your help. God's told us all to go. Last time I checked my Bible, we have a God of numbers. There's a book in the Bible called <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> Why? Because it represents people. It represents lives. It represents marriages. It represents families. It represents kids. Why did God tell Jonah to go to Nineveh, the great city? Because there was over half a million people that didn't know God. At the day of Pentecost, they preached, the disciples preached a message of the gospel, and 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And I don't read that they were like, oh, we didn't expect that. Man, bummer. Where are we going to put all those people? I don't read that they said, oh, 3,000, we're good. We'll let somebody else take care of the rest. There's work still to be done. You see, here's how I look at it. And here's how I want you guys to look at it. If you know the God of this Bible and his heart, Jonah didn't understand God's heart. And God had to straighten it out. We can look at all the people that are filling our services and we can go, wow, look at all the people coming. Or we can look outside these walls in Nineveh of all the people that still don't know Jesus. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them in our Nineveh. And I know this is hard. Some of y'all didn't sign up for this. Man, I didn't sign up for a big church. I didn't sign up for a big church. I made the mistake, and have had to repent of it, when I was sent out here to plant Orchard Churches planted eight years ago with four people in our living room, and people would ask me, friends of mine, and people would say, well, how big do you see Orchard Church getting? And I said, well, you know, it's up to God, but you know, if, if we got around 800, maybe to 1,000 people, you know, in 15, 20 years, and plant some other churches, I, that'd, be, that'd be cool, man. God would really do something big. Well, that's long gone. <laughs> We've already planted one church. We're working on planting a second church, a Spanish-speaking church. We keep trying to send people out. People keep coming. Almost 1,103 services every week. And God really spoke to my heart and said, Doug, it doesn't matter what you want. It matters what I want. And that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And and God said, get your eyes off what, what's here and get your eyes on all the people that still need Jesus. You think Jesus is concerned about numbers of people I believe he is listen to what do, do we want to have a church that's a heart has the heart of Jesus I do and, and listen because this is his church it's not my church it's his church and in Matthew 9 36 listen to what it says when Jesus saw the what's the next word that sounds like a lot of people when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless They didn't know God. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus said to his disciples, his followers, he says it all to us today, the harvest is great. There's a lot of Ninevites outside these doors, but the workers are few. Pray that the Lord who's in charge of the harvest will ask him to send more workers into the field. You know what God's saying? Pray that more people go. Go and invite and ask. And let me say this to you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to so many of you who get this and you are going on a regular basis. You are serving, you are inviting, you're giving of your time to serve, you're giving of your talents to serve, you're giving of your treasure to help support this ministry to reach people for Christ. You know, I hear people all the time say, I, I always ask people, how did you hear about Orchard? how did you find us? And I hear, well, we saw your billboard, saw your bus bench, saw it in the Brighton Buzz, but here's what I always hear. But when my friend invited me when my neighbor, I met somebody just this morning, How'd yours? Well, our, our friend, our neighbor invited me. When my family member invited me, and many of you are doing that, and it's making a difference. I, I just got to read this to you guys. I received this email in the mail this week from a pastor friend of mine, a pastor in our community that I made friends with. And he knows that we're very involved with the, the community and 27J School District because we meet in Prairie View High School. And he met with the, the superintendent, Dr. Fiddler of, of uh, Brighton 27J, who, by the way, is a regular attender of Orchard Church. And listen to this email this pastor wrote to our church. He said, I met with Dr. Fiddler this week. What he shared about you and Orchard Church was so encouraging. You guys rock, you are so Jesus with skin on. To, our, to your community, especially the school. You represent Jesus well. You represent Christians well. Thank you, thank you. Orchard tur- Church takes literally Jesus' command to love your neighbor. Man, am I proud of you guys. Is that awesome? From another pastor in our community. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. But God's not done. I want to give you close with three very tangible, practical ways that you can put feet to this message and you can go to our Nineveh. You can reach out to the Ninevites that need Jesus. Three simple, practical ways. You know, two or three times a year, God gives us an incredible opportunity to reach the Ninevites without Jesus in our community. People will come to church two times a year if they don't come any other time. Christmas, and the next one is in two weeks. We, we call them keisters, Christmas and Easter attenders. I thought that was funny, but anyway. <laughs> Christmas and Easter, and they will come, and we're glad they come, and it's an opportunity for us. us going to come to us, many people that don't have a church home, that don't know Jesus, many of them. And they're going to come on Easter Sunday in two weeks, and they're going to see we've got some incredible life change stories of Ninevites that have been reached and their lives radically changed in the last couple years here at Orchard Church. They're going to line this stage with their testimonies. It's, it's going to be incredible. You do not want to miss it. This is a Sunday to bring your unchurched, unsaved, or people looking for a church. Bring them, bring them, bring them. Here's what's amazing, and and to invite them. Um, Dr. Tom Rainer wrote a book called The Unchurched Next Door. And in this book, he said he found that 82% of unchurched people are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're just invited. 82% of the Ninevites, if you'll just ask them, there's a good chance they'll come. The numbers go up even more when you invite them to come to Christmas or Easter We have an incredible opportunity in two weeks, but this is the sad truth. He also found that only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. I know that's much higher at Orchard Church. I want to see that number be 100% because as followers of Jesus, we've all been called to go. We want to give you the opportunity to go and invite your friends. We've been giving these out the last couple of weeks. They're invites. They're back there on the table. Pick a stack of them up. We got plenty of them. Take a stack. They're invites to invite people to our Saturday night service or or one of our three Sunday services on Easter so they can hear life change. God can change their life. They can respond to the gospel. I know many of you have already been taking them and giving them out. Thank you, thank you. But everybody needs to do this. Everybody can invite somebody. And it might be the most unlikely person you think of that you need to invite. You know what these are, church? These are invites for our Ninevites. I thought that was good. I got that from our family pastor, and I stole it. So invite for so invite people, just invite people, people that may seem the furthest from God, but may be the closest to God. Here's the second way you can go. You can help us by serving on Easter Sunday. I know many of you already serve regularly. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Every life that has changed, you have a part in that because of your service. Some of you haven't served yet. Maybe you're waiting for an opportunity. Here's your opportunity. Easter Sunday. You know, when you got guests coming over to your house, you get ready, right? You're ready to welcome the guests and serve the guests and meet their needs. We got guests coming over. We're expecting probably 2,000 plus people on Easter weekend here at Orchard Church to hear the gospel. And we need to respond as family and, and invite the guest and, and welcome the guest and serve the guest. So if you're looking for an opportunity to serve, we're not asking you to sign up for every week. Or every month, just, just Easter Sunday if you say, okay, I can serve on Easter Sunday. On your connection card, you all have it in your newsletter. Just give us your name, your best contact information, whether it's email or phone number. On the back, there's a box that says serving. I'm interested in serving. Check that box. Now, I was threatened by our family pastor and all our children's supervisors that we need you to serve in children's ministry more than anywhere else. Okay? And so that's where we, we, it takes about 200 volunteers a week Just serving in children's ministry to take care of our 300 plus kids. So if you'd be willing to help us in children's, just write on that other line, put children's ministry. Check the box, serving in children's ministry. You say, yeah, that's not my deal, but I'd help with the host team or greeters or ACON or whatever, then just check the box, serving, give us your name, drop in the offering bucket, someone will contact you, and let's all be involved in serving. You know, we have four services to choose from, so you can sir, uh, sit in one service and then serve one or more of the other services. It's an opportunity for us to go. Amen? Amen? Now, here's the third one. This might be the hardest of all. And I'm really talking to this group and the 11 o'clock group. I need you to go to a different service. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious, to make room for people that need Jesus. I need you to get up early. It's going to be all right. Our setup team is here at 6 a.m. every Sunday. You can do it at 8 once. I want to see our entire 8 a.m. service packed even fuller than this with all of our regular people so we can make room for the guests and the people that need Jesus in the 9:30 and 11 because that's where most of the guests are going to come. So do not come to the 9:30. <laughs> now don't not come. You need to come. You'll be if you miss, you're gonna be bummed you missed. Come to the eight o'clock. If you absolutely cannot come to the eight o'clock, then come to the Saturday night at 5 30. But that one's going to be pretty full too. I'll tell you right now, it'll probably be standing room only because a lot of guests come to that one. But please try to avoid the 9:30, 11 at least for one day. Some of you, I, I need about 150 of you guys to start doing that every week at 8 o'clock. I'm serious because we, we found that when we're 80% full like this, we're full and we stop growing. We stop reaching people and we don't want that to happen. Amen? One of the easiest things you can do is to serve people is just come, come to the 8 o'clock service. I, I know it sounds easy, but. I'm here. I do it three times. Come on, y'all. We can do this. So, so be ready for that and, and help us out with that on, on Easter Sunday. As we close, listen, when Jonah obeyed God, listen, here, here, here's the heart of this whole thing. Thousands and thousands of people turned to God and their lives were changed. I believe as we go as a church and we continue to go Thousands and thousands of people's lives are going to be changed. Do you believe that, church? And we can have a part in that in our Nineveh. But, but here's the unfortunate truth. Some of you, not many, I hope, but some of you are not going to like it. You're not going to like what happens on Easter. You don't like what's happening in our growth right now. I know that because of what we're going to see next week in chapter 4. Is that enough of a cliffhanger for you? You'll see what I'm talking about. But for now, let's go. Let's go to our Nineveh. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Thank you for your patience. I know we went a little bit long. If you're here as a believer this morning, if you can help us by serving, if God has laid somebody on your heart to reach with an invite, I'm going to ask you just right now, believers, just just pray. Just say, God, give me an opportunity to go. Give me an opportunity to invite somebody. Give me an opportunity to reach out. Some of you maybe this morning as believers, you need a second chance with God. Here's the great news. We saw it in the story. We have a God of compassion, mercy, and grace. If you surrender to him today, he'll give you a second chance. Turn your life over to him. Just talk to him right now, believers. Whatever God has laid upon your heart today. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, here's the great news. God offers you the same thing he offered the Ninevites. No matter what you've done, he offers you grace, mercy, and love, but it's a limited time offer. You won't always have it, but you have it today. Will you accept it? Some of you may be like, man, maybe God would have compassion on me. I didn't think God would, but after hearing this story about the Ninevites, maybe, just maybe, God would show his love, grace, mercy, and compassion to me. And you know what the answer to that maybe is? Yes, he will. He will. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never received Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith where you can do what the Ninevites did. You can call mightily on God today to forgive you, save you, and give you eternal life. I want to lead you in this prayer of faith. I'll help you with the words. Now, it's not magic words or magic prayer, but if you put faith and belief behind it and you truly, from your heart, cry out to God, he will hear you, he will respond, he will forgive you. If you're ready to make that decision, pray with me. It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. Because you love me. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I put my faith in you today, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving and forgiving me. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you, Jesus. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the very first time, I want to pray for you personally. Would you slip it up just so I can see your hand real quick. I prayed that prayer. Thank you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, young person. Slip it up high so I can see it just real quick. I prayed that prayer of faith for the first time. I put my faith and trust in Jesus today. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Let me pray for you. God bless you, young man. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? I really meant it. I invited Jesus into my life. God bless you, young person. Thank you. Anyone else? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that this story is about a God of love, grace, mercy, and compassion who wants to reach the world and be connected relationally with us. Thank you that you made that possible in our lives when we put our faith and trust you. Thank you for the ones today making that decision. And Lord, help us to have the heart that you have on the Ninevites, those without Jesus in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and all around us. God, help us to be a church that is passionate about reaching people for Jesus and being unapologetic about it. And Lord, help us to do our part and rejoice in what you're doing. And may we never take it for granted. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you made a decision for Jesus today, please let us know it on the connection card. Just give us your information. Check the box. says, I accepted Christ. We're going to send you a free book in the mail, help you in your new steps with Christ. If you're a first-time guest and you filled out your connection card as a guest, uh, please drop that in the offering bucket in just a moment so we can send you a thank you note um, for being with us. You've been a blessing to us today. Hope we blessed you uh, with our services. And uh, we have a lot to celebrate Orchard Church as we've seen lives change every week. So, can we celebrate that as we stand to close in worship? Let's stand. God bless you guys for being here.